The Fan. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Skull Stories, presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. I am your host, Mike Wobshaw, coming to you from TCO Performance Center in Egan, joined, as always, by fellow host Mark Rosen. Now, tonight's show, I I really have a great appreciation for tonight's show, Rosie, because... Mm We're going to feature a guest who's having a hard time staying retired and a host yourself who also has a hard time staying retired. So I think tonight's going to be pretty good. It's former Viking safety Robert Griffith joining the show tonight, Mark. And look, you look at um, Vikings history. Paul Krause, really, really good safety. Um, Harrison Smith playing for us right now, really, really good safety. Well, sandwiched in between there was another pretty good safety in Robert Griffith. And I know you have some memories and some stories of covering Robert when he was with the Vikings. I do. And first of all, it's just uh, more of a friendship uh, situation. Griff, it's great to, to hear your voice. I had a chance to see you not that long ago, briefly, when they had the reunion for the 1969 NFL champion Vikings in town here. And a bunch of your former teammates were here, and I, I know it was, uh, it was probably better than any high school reunion you've ever been to. <laughs> Most definitely. What was that experience like for you that weekend? It, you know, every year we come back, but uh, this one was a little bit different because, uh, you know, we got a lot of the older guys back uh, mm-hmm. that um, I might see, you know, I saw way back 20 years ago, so I got a chance to, to touch some of the 69 guys. Um, they, they really started this thing for us. Um, then I touched a couple guys that played in the 80s, you know, like Dolman and guys like that, that, you know, that have those connections. So it was good to get, you know, four or five generations uh, or, excuse me, decades of players here. So talk about the Met, then the mm-hmm. Metrodome, and then now, you know, the new big house that uh, we're in now. It's just uh, incredible to hear their uh, thoughts and how everything's come along. You are at TCO right now, Performance Center, and I'm thinking to myself, what are you thinking about when you're walking around that place compared to Winter Park and the facilities you had there, which was an upgrade over what the guys in 69 team had, a huge upgrade, but now you look around this Taj Mahal, uh, from a player's perspective, what that's, what's that like? Incredible. So one of the things that I liked is that they just didn't leave anything out. Uh, you know, we... I don't know, it was probably 20, 25 guys, maybe 30 guys trying to get in the steam room, and it only fit, you know, maybe nine guys comfortably, but we'd get 12 in there. Uh, you know, the weight room was, you know, kind of like a make makeshift storage area that we just kind of blew out, and we <laughs> and we got it in, you know. So all of those things just make you really appreciate the fact that uh, some of the lockers that I've seen just in, you know, down there at the stadium – or almost the size, you know, two or three lockers are almost the size of our locker room. It's just uh, um, very rewarding that we fought so hard to build the the Viking name to where we played well enough to where, you know, an um, ownership group like the Wilfs would come and expound on what we built. So um, I'm appreciative. When I walk around here, I got my chest out a little bit. So. Um, it's always good to be well, a part of this 100-year history. Well, I always remember you as being very health conscious. I remember you had, I think, your little shakes that you had by your locker <laughs> all the time. I mean, yeah. you were, I mean, they'd bring the food truck around out and back in Winter Park, and they'd have, you know, the typical, like, turkey sandwiches and stuff that anybody could get. And now you have, everything is broken down for these players, where I think today's player is much more conscious of their health and what they're putting into their bodies than 
you were, uh, your teammates perhaps were in 98, but you were maybe a little bit ahead of the curve at that time. You know, one of, most definitely, one of the things that got me by is that I, I worked out with a lot of track athletes. Well, primarily track athletes as far as my running's concerned. So I worked out with a lot of Olympians and, and they were always worried about their weight and, mm-hmm. you know, how their body felt. And so I, I developed a, a real good, um, nutrition regiment regiment from them and it just kind of carried over i knew how to power my body a little bit better than the normal guy but now it's all science uh guys know exactly what they're putting in their bodies they know what they're training uh and everything's specified so you're not you're not going to miss anything and if you are then that just means you're not trying because it's all Mm -hmm. in your face now so right big difference so many memories uh, from, a, from a playing standpoint, uh, from a, a personal relationship standpoint, you had here with the Vikings from 1994 to, through 2001. Head coach Danny Green, uh, Randy Moss, uh, Brandel Cunningham, you know, the 98 season. Uh, just a flood of stuff, I'm sure, that, that washes over you when you think about your time here with Minnesota. What comes to mind first and foremost? You know, we had a really tight team. I, I think you name those names and, uh, and then uh, the late Danny Green. Uh, we had a core group of probably about 20 to 25 guys that didn't change, uh, which was not like it is definitely not today. But even in that period of time where free agency was rampant, guys wanted to go get paid other places. We kept our core pretty, pretty tight together. You know, that's to a lot of respect of uh, Dennis Green. You know, I have a bunch of team captain photos uh, at my house. You know, I just got one room. I put all my stuff in and I can look at when I, you know, when I'm feeling like I'm not worth nothing. <laughs> Sometime I go in there. Uh, it's actually my office. I close the door and it makes me feel good that I I got, you know, I don't know, 40, 50 captain's pictures that we take before uh, uh, the, the toss up. And, uh, and it's always Chris, myself, uh, Chris Walsh, uh, mm-hmm. Robert Smith. And, you know, whoever our quarterback is, Johnny Randall, it's like four or five key guys for like seven years, eight years. And and I think that that's what the reason why we were able to play well long enough is because you had the right guys as captains. You know, we're all self-motivated. Um, we always came in shape. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen Johnny Randall not in shape. Chris Carter coming to camp, not ready. Uh, Chris Walsh not being ready to do what he's doing. So it just set the tone, and uh, and everybody else kind of fallen in behind that. In 1998, which turned out to be a special year and a heartbreaking year, you're down in Mankato, and this rookie wide receiver named Randy Moss shows up. And you're a strong safety, and you're you're part of a really good defensive backfield back there with Hitchcock and a bunch of those guys. Uh, did he have a certain swagger right away that you noticed and went, what, this guy's not your normal, not only you're not your normal rookie, but your normal wide receiver? You know, yeah, it, one of the things that stood out the day one, and I always go back to this day, is uh, the first thing I said when I saw Randy was like, man, this guy's skinny, man. This guy <laughs> is going to get, you know, because we were, I mean, we were going at each other, you know, back then. We can hit, you know, receivers wherever we wanted. We can hit them in the face. We can, mm-hmm. you know, wherever. And the first thing that came across my mind was, oh, man, this guy's so skinny. He's going to get, you know, he's going to get broke, broken up in, uh, during the season. And then we went to practice, and we always had competitive one-on-one. We always had a competitive uh, seven-on-seven. And then that one-on-one, that first day when I saw Randy run by everybody, um, I went over to Chris and I said, man, this guy's going to help us. Chris was like, he's going to help us tremendously. Uh, and then he went out and scored 17 touchdowns. I mean, it was um, he did exactly what he 
looked like. <laughs> and we got exactly, if not more, uh, of the excitement that year. And so uh, Randy's the real article, man. But you know this better than anyone. It's not just physical attributes, his speed, his <clears throat> height, his whatever he could do. He was a student of the game, which I think was, oh, yeah. was underrated in his overall game. And you know how difficult it is and how, how many times you had to hit the playbook and, and mm-hmm. study, study, study. That also was something maybe that people don't talk about enough with Randy's natural skills. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the, the second layer is that everybody knows the X's and O's, right? And I know that, uh, I don't know, I played 28 straight years of football. We can talk cover three. We can talk it inverted. I'm going to bring the corner down and bring safety down. I can do it, you know, work your weak side, strong side, right? So everybody knows the nuances, but it's the little stuff that you have to know when you're getting double teamed. Uh, the safety's over the top, so Chris... Chris is the guy getting open this play or up. He's in the middle. Okay. So now I'm, you know, I have the deep opportunity. That's why I used to see Randy running with his arm up uh, because he knew if it was cover three, it was man to man. I got a one-on-one out here and uh, I can beat this guy. And so everybody keeps laughing about, you know, Randy saying, throw the ball up there, chuck it up there to Randall Cunningham and stuff. Those were 50, 50 balls that they talk about now that he knew that he can win on. I think Randy um, uh, really, you know, you got mossed, right? That's the the yep. whole fifty fifty <laughs> ball deal, and so he changed the NFL. And when Randy got in the league, they started moving the safety over the top, mm-hmm. and so now he had to work a double team. So he had to find all the little spots in that in that defense that they were, uh, you know, working on him to to get open. And so that meant that you had to think on the third level, the fourth level, is the safety here, is the corner here. And those small adjustments aren't, they aren't really small. They, they mean that you have to understand the coverage. It means you have to know where the soft spots are. And just like Johnny Randall, you know, you're getting double teamed every play. Uh, you, you know, you have to find an edge and beat one guy. And so I think that Randy was able to do that a lot during his career. Look, I mentioned sports can be a heartbreaking um Lifestyle. Last night I watched the Dodgers after winning 106 <laughs> games lose in crushing fashion. Uh, you know the '98 yeah. season had a kind of a feel to that. Is it something that 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 nagged at you for a long time? Does it still nag at you that you that you didn't get to the big one? You, you know what? It, it, it doesn't. Uh, you know the thing that does get to me a little bit is that uh, there's a lot of players that I believe deserve to go to the Super Bowl on mm-hmm. just the work. And uh, the discipline and the time, you know, on the grass. And I feel like, uh, you know, not only the 10, 12 Hall of Famers that I played with, but I feel like we had several deserving guys that should have touched the Super Bowl grass. Johnny Randall, Chris Carter, myself, Jake Reed, Robert Smith, uh, you know, Randall Cunningham. uh, uh, The late Corey Stringer. Yeah, Corey Stringer, Dennis Green. Uh, a lot of our coaching staff, I think that we deserve to be in that game. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that you do learn is that uh, you got to be good and you got to be good late and you have to have some luck. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. go back to that 98 game. Uh, we had 11 starters uh, enter the game. We had eight starters go out on defense uh, in that game. And uh, I remember. So yeah. it, was, it was a little bit of attrition. 
and yep. uh, things were stacked against us. Yeah, you know, and, and Mark, I think you could comment on this too, and, and Griff. If you look at, because you guys are talking about X's and O's and being smart and, and setting the tone, and the coaching staff does that. And you look, guys, you look at the coaching staff of that year's team <laughs> and some of the guys who came off of that staff and went to other teams and then took those teams to Super Bowls. And and it's it's all in the, and I, I always go back to Denny because he set the tone because of what the culture and what everybody expected of everybody in the building. And, uh, you know, every year we had a big team meeting. Uh, coach always made sure the equipment guys were in there, the trainers. Everybody was in there hearing the same message. And, you know, it's, everybody carry your own water, right? Everybody know their assignment, know your role, be the best at your role. And Brian Billick took that. Uh, Tony Dungy took that to Tampa. He took it mm-hmm. to India and won a title into a Hall of Fame career. And um, that's really uh, the true tenements of a team playing together and playing as one unit. And that's what you need to win. Okay, more coming up with our conversation with Robert Griffith in a minute right here on School Stories. But before we go, remember to join host Mike Musman along with Anthony Harris for Vikings Country on Tuesday, October 15th from 5.30 to 8.30 at Clive's in Rogers, presented by Miller Lite. You could win great prizes, including tickets in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule. We'll be back with more Skull Stories after this. Hey everyone, it's Skull Stories. I'm your host, Wabi. We have Robert Griffith on the show tonight. More with him coming up in a minute, but want to remind you about the Friday Football Feast this week. You can join host Paul Allen and Paul Charging at Buffalo Wild Wings in Coon Rapids on Friday from 9 to noon for the Friday Football Feast. The Feast is presented by Coors Light. Check out the complete schedule at vikings.com and on the Paul Allen Show page at kfan.com. More with Robert Griffith right now. Take it away, Rosie. Speaking with Robert Griffith, a long-time strong safety for the Vikings back from 94 to 2001. During your time, you were also an executive member of the National Football League Players Association. Uh, was it uh, Overall, was it a really uh, good experience? Was it frustrating at times, or how would you describe it? Yeah, it was, no, overall, it was an absolutely incredible experience. Um, um, a little frustrating at times, but, uh, you know, I got a lot of my business acumen and, you know, just business... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, brains from just dealing with the owners, uh, dealing with marketing and, uh, you know, um, player safety, um, 401ks, you know, annuities and, you know, everything that real life uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Everything that the players, uh, are enjoying now. Um, we fought really hard. We, we held our dues in 1995 just to build up a war chest to be able to sit at the table, um, uh, across from the owners and negotiate properly. Uh, we started the marketing arm, uh, which is used to be Players Inc. Now it's NFL Players. Mm-hmm. Uh, we signed group licensing agreements and then started doing deals with EA Sports and for the Madden game and Sprint. Look how huge that's become. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, uh, we saved Reebok. I don't know if you guys remember Reebok was having some serious troubles in the '90s. Uh, we negotiated for them to. Uh, be, we, we were their marketing arm, and we were able to solidify the NFL contract. So they made our jerseys for six years. Wow! 
We, you know, we, yeah, we, we, uh, the Players Association has done a lot for the NFL, and uh, uh, part of some of the, a lot of the efforts in the early '90s uh, in, into through the 2005 and sixes um, really set up the league for not only expansion but marketing globally. Um, and we were, we were, you know, we were a big part of it. You had the wherewithal also, Robert, um, early in your career here to start your own foundation. At that time, I know it provided help provide college scholarships for at-risk and disadvantaged kids. I mean, that's a lot to, to take on when you're that young and, and you're just trying to carve out your own career. It, it was really important to you, and as that continues on to this day? Most definitely. Uh, you know, my foundation, the sole purpose is to provide you know uh, high school you know, money to high school seniors and you know uh, a lot of people should know but if they don't um, they should know that I earned a scholarship my fourth semester as a walk-on mm-hmm. at San Diego State and it really just changed my life uh, you know I, I went from delivering beer at 4 30 in the morning and going to class at 9 30 and then to, you know go to practice and then repeat repeat maybe four or five hours <laughs> asleep for three semesters to becoming a full-fledged student athlete, um, going to practice, studying, enjoying, you know, the college experience. And um, so I knew once I got to the NFL, this would be my life's work. And and 20 years later, we're still here. You know, we had uh, 36 graduates uh, from all over the country. Uh, we have some here in uh, Minnesota. So we have University of Minnesota graduate, uh, Hamlin University, Augsburg, that's great. Uh, San Diego State, you know, Xavier, West Point, Stanford, you know, we're we're looking to expand and uh, you know, I, I'm working hard to really just to create a nice endowment to keep that going even after I'm not around. That's fantastic. Yeah. Wabi mentioned uh guy was roaming your old position right now, a guy named Harrison Smith. I'm sure you've watched him play a lot of football. Uh old school guy. Uh what do you when you look at <laughs> look at uh Harrison, what do you think about uh, in terms of how you relate to him? I, I think he's an excellent player. Um, you know, he's a six-two guy, and um, six-two yeah, people go okay. Uh, I think he's actually a larger safety. You know, on the larger side, uh, especially during my era, uh, mm-hmm. for guys to be able to move like that, blitz like that, tackle like that. Um, but I think what gets under noticed is his ball skills. He's a great defender, um, and uh, I like that about him because everybody sees him as just a wily guy that's making plays all over the place. But when you start looking at those interceptions, you know he's pulling down three, four, or five a year, and uh, that's good for a starter. And uh, you know he's going to have a long career. I think he's one of the best safeties to put on purple, um, and uh, you know just. Wishing him, uh, you know, continued health and success. But uh, I do like him. Um, I really like him off the field too. He's he's uh, understated. Um, uh, I'm a little bit more old school. You let your play do your talking, and uh, he's one of those guys. And um, he's just uh, solid. And uh, I think the Vikings got a really good, uh, not only team leader, but a defensive captain that can really play, make some plays, and uh, take him to the Super Bowl. From your experience on the on the NFLPA, if you were commissioner of the National Football League for a day for a year, it's a parade of flags at times. Is that hurting the game, or what would you what do you think about it? Most definitely hurting the game. Uh, we want to protect the players, um, and I say we. You know, we'd like to as a fan. I like to see the players protected, mm-hmm. uh, but I do see a lot of hesitation now on the defensive side of the ball. It's uh, uh, players have to slow down now. 
Um, and um, to me, that changes the outcome of the game. Uh, and uh, I think with the pass interference rule, I think that that was just a knee-jerk reaction. I think that uh, the rules were pretty good. I think one bad call, two bad calls in one year should not change things drastically like they have been. Um, I think that uh, uh, we we are at a little bit more of a, of a whim to how the interpretation of P.I. can change games because mm-hmm. they're such big plays. I think that uh, the original rules were fine, and that's just my two cents. Uh, I think it's slowing the game down as well, and coaches are now using these flags a little bit differently now than they would in the past. To summarize, uh, Robert Griffith, uh, life is good. You're enjoying life. I know you're kind of bouncing back by coastal um, uh, as well. But you're also, I remember you were in, really an avid cyclist. Are you, are you still uh, hitting uh, some of the trails? You're doing the Tour de France, uh, your own style in Europe. What, what are you, <laughs> you up to? You know, I, I went from running every day <laughs> when I was playing to riding my bike. Now, uh, the bad thing about being in L.A. Uh, is that it's not as good as San Diego. So, no. um not a lot of bike trails and not a lot of uh, a lot of traffic in LA so I haven't been riding as much but um, in Atlanta I'm starting to find a couple places where I can get out and stretch out a little bit I told you Rosie's having a hard time staying retired okay so then the next time you're at a game we're gonna get you on the big screen and Rose, Rosie will interview you at halftime at US Bank Stadium because that's one of the things Mark's doing now in his retirement is he's working oh, man, you games. can't stay at home look at you no he doesn't no, like to no I don't want to do that and, and look at uh, with, with all due respect to Johnny Randall I mean if I get Johnny Randall I'll just hand him the microphone and get out of the way yeah. right you know what that's like <laughs> yeah most definitely I he think, doesn't stop I think we could hand Johnny the microphone and give Griff to him and then see what would happen <laughs> that would be fine too that, yeah, that would be. A, I think that'd be a good way to handle it. They wouldn't know what to do if Johnny no. had that mic for ten minutes. My oh, goodness, man. what a character! His motor still hasn't stopped. Griffin's great catching up with you. It sounds like things are going well, and thanks for the memories and uh, and, and the wonderful insight into uh, your life and what's going on in the National Football League today. Thanks for having me, Rose. Always a pleasure, man. Good to Got see it. you doing well, healthy. And still hustling it. Absolutely. you got to keep going. got to keep moving yeah. forward. All right, Rosie. Hey, it's Vikings and Eagles on Sunday. People can uh, listen to the game right here, FM 100.3, The Fan and the Vikings Radio Network. Mark, you will be there. You've thought about the game all week. The crowd will have a huge factor in this game. Yeah. Uh, people have long memories about what happened in the NFC Championship game in Philadelphia. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity for the Vikings as a springboard uh, for the rest of the season. That's why this is such, a, I think, a vital win for them on Sunday. All right. Well said, Mark. Thanks a lot uh, for your time and guidance on the show. Our thanks to Robert Griffith for joining us. And a reminder again, Vikings and Eagles, noon on Sunday. The game can be heard on the Vikings radio network. Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen and Pete Bursich will have the call. Former Vikings, Ben Lieber and Greg Coleman will be on the sidelines. That's going to do it for tonight's episode of Skull Stories right here on The Fan. Skull Vikings.